Welcome to the Living with Alzheimer's podcast. On this show, we share Ginger's journey and speak with subject matter experts about a variety of dementia-related topics. Ginger, a former English teacher and librarian, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2019. This diagnosis has changed her world and has given her a unique perspective on life and living. I'm Christoph, Ginger's son and full-time caregiver. I've created this podcast as a way to share the best practices I'm learning about caring for a person with dementia. Along the way, we'll document my mother's journey through her unique storytelling. You can subscribe to the Living with Alzheimer's podcast and find all the resources we discuss at lwalz.com. In this episode, I interview Catherine Rebont-Payne, Communications Director for Alzheimer's Association, Michigan Chapter. We discuss how call volume for Alzheimer's Association's 24-7 helpline increases dramatically during the holiday season. We discuss potential signs of developing dementia, share our stories of observing parents and grandparents struggling with day-to-day tasks and other memory issues during the holidays, and we discuss what families can do whenever they have questions or concerns about their observations. Well, hi, Catherine. Welcome to the Living with Alzheimer's podcast. I appreciate that you can join today. Thank you so much for having me, Krista. You're welcome. Um, can you tell me what you do for the Alzheimer's Association? I, I hear, you know, communications director is your title, but what does that mean? So I really work to ensure that all those we serve and all those who we could potentially serve um are knowledgeable about what we do, know how we can help them. Um, I work to spread the word about our programs, um, our walks, our volunteer opportunities, um, so much of what we do um, to support those who have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, who are living with Alzheimer's, their caregivers, and those who want to uh, support the cause, ensuring that they know everything that they can about us and uh, that they uh, know how to support us as well. So I do that through a variety of of, of different media um, and through our website, through social media, all of those different communications um, channels that you might think of. So right. uh, it's, it's a rewarding thing to share what this uh, association does. And and it does a lot. Uh, yes, it, a lot. <laughs> even I have a lot of experience now working with Alzheimer's Association and they've been a really valuable resource for me. Uh, and uh, I've had them as guests on the podcast because they've been a great resource for podcast listeners uh, who are, you know, dealing with the same kinds of concerns about someone who they think might have dementia or has been diagnosed with dementia. And I understand that you have a personal connection to the, to the disease. I, I do. My um, husband's grandmother died from Alzheimer's. And um, the thing that really is of note to me about the connection, I met Louise when she was in later stages, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't get to know her prior to her being pretty far, far along in her Alzheimer's journey. But the one thing that 
was really striking to me and really um, beyond the toll that the disease takes on the person who's living with it um, is the toll it takes on my caregiver. Um, my husband's mom, my mother-in-law, um, caring for uh, Louise really took a toll on her. It was something she valued doing, but it was hard on her. And that was something I almost, um, I knew about Alzheimer's prior to this, but I didn't quite realize that aspect of it. Uh, and so that really opened my eyes to caregiving and, and what that means mm -hmm. by, by seeing my mother-in-law. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I've, you know, I've been going on this journey with my mom as she's progressed. And now she's, when we started, uh, you know, I started as her caregiver. She was declared in the early stage of the prog, you know, the journey, as you say. And now she's uh, been diagnosed as being in the middle stage, at the very beginning part of the middle stage. And, uh, you know, the people around me, have said, oh, your mom, in the, even in the last year, has changed significantly. And that's true. It's disorienting. I think that's my biggest, uh, you know, takeaway from the whole thing is that I'm never really sure what the next day is going to hold or the next week or month uh, when the baseline of her abilities changes. Mm -hmm. You know, now she's having a hard time zipping up a zipper for instance you know that didn't used to be the case picking out clothing uh, she used to be right on top of that and now she needs help with it so those are there's this fading away and then all of the things that I deal with as a child of hers with my mom changing in those ways uh, sometimes it's upsetting and uh, exhausting you know, to, to, to deal with that. So yeah, I have a lot of uh, compassion for other caregivers who are going through this. And I, and I honestly, I can't imagine being a spouse and taking care of a longtime partner who now can't be a partner anymore. Uh, see, that, that has to be heart wrenching. Yes. I can't even imagine. And in seeing Louise not remember Linda, her daughter, but mm -hmm. like you said, a spouse situation too. Um, it is heartbreaking to think about. Um, my husband recounts when he, um, you talk about disorienting and when he first realized something was wrong with his grandma and came home from college and went to see her and she had post-it notes up all over the house mm -hmm. because she knew that her memory was failing with simple things like take your medicine, turn off the stove, things like that, um, mm -hmm. just to help her remember. And um, that's one of his memories of first realizing that the things were not right with her and in what a disorienting thing that was for him as, as her grandson to, right. to witness. Right. And, and if I'm correct here, I understand that, you know, Alzheimer's Association has the 800 number where anyone can call. That's the 800-272-3900 number. Mm -hmm. And by the way, on the website, all the things that are available through that number are really amazing. I hadn't read it until today. And then I was like, oh, I, I so later in our conversation, I've got to talk about that because it's just astounding what 
Alzheimer's Association has put forth as a resource there for nothing for absolutely free. There's a lot of information there. Yeah, yeah we can talk and about it. And made it 24-7 <laughs> available. So, I mean, yes. that's great. Uh, but I understand that during the holidays or just after the holidays, even the call volume in uh, to Alzheimer's Association really increases because families are spending that time during the holidays together and then noticing things that they hadn't necessarily noticed the rest of the year. Yeah. When, so if, if, you know, kids are out of town or family members are out of town and then haven't seen their loved ones in a while and come back home, um, they do perhaps in these cases start to see that there's been a decline that's surprising to them. And so our call volume on the helpline does increase um, this time of year specifically with regard to that, um, that topic, people calling in, seeking help because they realize something needs to be done uh, and they don't quite know what to do next. Right. And, and I think it's interesting because I really didn't know about the Alzheimer's Association as even being a resource. I didn't know much about Alzheimer's, period. Um, there was a diagnosis, you know, saying Alzheimer's is the disease before I contacted Alzheimer's Association the first time. So I already knew, but there are a lot of people who call when they're just going, Hey, I noticed some weird stuff. And is this maybe dementia? And if you think maybe it is, what do I do? You know, so even earlier stages than what I used Alzheimer's Association, you guys are there to help. And I consider that part of my job to make sure that, you know, not just a captive audience, but people who may start to experience dementia or Alzheimer's in loved ones in their lives, make sure that they know that we do exist as a resource. Mm -hmm. Because as you said, both that helpline and our website, um, knowing what I know now, I've been with the association for almost a year now and knowing what I know now um, of what we offer I really hope that people do learn about us, maybe perhaps even before they need us, because mm -hmm. uh, it's just a really a treasure trove of, of information and assistance that is free and available uh, for people who need us. And, and it's even the uh, person like me who has not been diagnosed, uh, and I hope I never am. <laughs> I don't <laughs> want this disease. Um but just even saying, what do I look for in myself? Uh, how, what research has been done to tell me what I can do now to help avoid it? You know, those kinds of things can also be, so you can just call about yourself. And you bring up research. That's one thing that the association is so dedicated to, mm -hmm. to learn more and to continue to progress um, as far as what we know about the disease, because, you know, like you said, if there are things, there are no, there are no promises, you know, there's no surefire thing you can do to prevent it. Um, but there are things you can do to reduce the risk of cognitive impairment um, that are general good health things. But, right. um, but those are some of the things that we're trying to get information out about as well. Um, okay different things that you can do um, just to try to prevent, you know, poor health and, and things like that, just to stave off the risk if, if that can be done. Right. Right. And I wish I could say I'm doing all those things, but <laughs> me too. 
<laughs> actually not the truth. So uh, we were talking about the holidays and how call volume goes up. And it was my experience uh, with my parents uh, that it was holiday related. I had been living, you know, out of state uh, for a number of years and, you know, came back for holidays. And in 2017, my mom had been concerned about some things that she had seen in herself. And one of those, like you were talking about with your mother-in-law was forgetting to turn off the stove. Mm-hmm. And so she came back into the kitchen and realized that burner was still on and that spooked her. And her mom had been diagnosed with dementia maybe a year before that. She was in her nineties, you know, at that time. And so, um, she was concerned enough to reach out to her doctor and they did an evaluation and said, yeah, there's some memory issues, but it's not dementia. And then in 2018, um, there was some conversation that I was having with my mom and it was just like really, uh, concerning. And my siblings were saying the same thing. And so I said, Hey mom, you told me about, you know, your visit last year for evaluation. Would you mind going back? and doing this again and the same thing came back yep memory issues maybe more uh, but still it's not dementia and uh, it was the holiday in 2019 when I didn't even say can you can you contact your doctor I just contacted her doctor and said "Uh, (laughs) there's some stuff going on and uh, you know so eventually that concern uh, at what I saw in the holidays, you know, went to then being evaluated and being diagnosed. So in 2019, she was diagnosed with dementia and specifically Alzheimer's. And, um, you know, it was interesting because when I came that holiday, I was seeing a disarray that I had not seen before. My mom, uh, is just like this extremely logical creature everything has a process and she'd follow the process she had you know been a teacher and a librarian processes were problem solving you know all that was her forte and uh, suddenly I was seeing a scatter of bills and confusion about you know the logos of two companies that I won't mention but they both used red and so she was paying one and not the other thinking she was paying both and then you know, all of a sudden, you know, one of the things got turned off and was really confused by that. And so we got some help, uh, for her to just, you know, come in once a week and help her with bills and that kind of thing. But during this holiday, I, um, noticed that my parents were going out to eat a lot and this was their way of, uh, dealing, coping with the fact that they couldn't make a meal anymore. You know, they could do a breakfast or a lunch, you know, put a sandwich together. But as far as cooking something, following a direction and a recipe was beyond them. I actually said, can we make a meal together? And I let them be in charge. And following direction one, get out a pan, put in two cups of water, bring it to a boil. Couldn't follow those directions. And I was just like, I don't even know what to do with this, you know? And my dad had had a stroke the previous year, uh, and he was also uh, diagnosed with dementia uh, in 2019, earlier in the year. 
but that was a vascular dementia and you know his cognition was slower it he still had uh yeah man he could remember names like crazy uh and you know so so his ability to remember things was rock solid still but his ability to think through things and express himself had been impacted so processing speed was clearly slower um his ability to word find was obviously more of a struggle and we just really thought that was related to the stroke didn't know that a stroke could be related then to you know this whole thing of dementia so we were ignorant in so many ways uh about what could even be happening and then my mom's memory issues um you know started growing and we didn't know what that really was either and uh you know so that's you know this is kind of how this journey um began with a lot of question marks and uh you know wondering what do we do you know because my parents were fiercely independent and to tell them you can't drive anymore you know especially my dad who had been a driver ed instructor he was like oh yes i can and i was like uh, dad actually your response time is really slow now this is not a responsible thing for you to do it was really difficult to take away his keys and i've heard this over and over again kids taking away their parents keys is a really hard thing to do um and you know the day that he got a uh state id rather than a driver's license was a huge blow to his yeah. independence and his sense of independence you know my mom was easier uh with that but still you know she'd go back and forth like she understood that it probably wasn't smart for her to drive but boy she really wanted to drive because it's again it's that statement of independence that feeling of independence i can go where i need to go when i need to go there uh and you know so suddenly we had to be adjusting for how do we address that especially the fact that two of the three of us were out of state you know how do we help you know the one sibling who's right there uh you know uh having to try and deal with all this there uh that same fall i think the other big thing that really let us know that something wasn't right was that um my parents have a sprinkler system and every winter to get it ready you have to empty out the lines and uh it hadn't been done and so it froze and then they had a big water uh you know problem and didn't know what to do and it was a big panic you know so it was just like all these things of a previously very independent very capable couple uh morphing into this uh, we need to figure out what to do uh scenario and that was that was hard i and i can't i can't imagine that you know just hearing your story of i mean in in the escalation of that for both of them and you know as i mentioned i come to this from a communications perspective and mm-hmm. i come to this you know i i'm not uh I support the people who do the work. And one of the things that struck me about what you were talking about, um, we actually have a campaign um, 
talking about knowing where Alzheimer's hides and Mm -hmm. your discussion about them having trouble following the recipe. That's one of the things that we share with that um, is, you know, mom doesn't remember how to make her famous fried chicken anymore or Mm -hmm. things like that um, because because of um, Alzheimer's or dementia hiding there. So that's one of the things that we share specifically about uh, Alzheimer's is perhaps a sign that there's something going on. So the recipe thing you noted um, was was striking to me. And the other thing too, um, just speaking from our perspective, you know, when you talk about being in that place where you, you know, you have both parents and you're not quite sure what to do and how, how to um, care for them, that really, kind of fuels me personally in, in what I do, because um, like I said um, earlier, I want to make sure that people know that we are a resource so that they don't feel obviously in that position, you're going to feel those questions and that dismay and, you know, the, where do I go from here? Mm-hmm. But um, as much as we can help with that, I want to make people aware that we're here for that so that, mm-hmm some of those questions can be answered sooner rather than later. Okay. Catherine, what should people be looking for? What what would they probably notice if there is a concern around dementia? Um, as far as, um, like I said, I, I'm not, um, I'm not directly working with individuals with Alzheimer's, but some things, um, would be like you mentioned, forgetting things that um, may um, have been something easy to remember before, mm-hmm. um, trailing off in sentences. Mm-hmm. Like you said, processing, not able to, um, not able to um, kind of process through things like they did before. Um, sometimes there's an issue with dates or times, not quite understanding. Um, where you are in time and chronology or um not fully knowing what day it is um asking repeated questions um so those are some of the key things um you know just anecdotally too from from louise my husband's grandma too um that are are notable but you know, that's one thing people could reach out to us about or to their doctor about just to say, you know, is this, you know, is this an issue or is it not? And, and, and hopefully proceed from there to get some, some feedback. Yeah. So interestingly, I had access to my parents, uh, doctors before, um, my mom's diagnosis and that was mainly brought on because my dad had had a number of health issues over the years he had lymphoma and had beat it a couple of times um and you know then the stroke and some outpatient surgeries that didn't go well and so i was already involved in communicating with his doctors and then that just kind of led into you know asking my mom if I could do the same for her. And then when I realized that she was concerned, even back in 2017, I guess, when she was concerned about remembering things, I said, well, hey, I can, you know, join you on your doctor's visits even by phone because I was out of state. 
Um, but it was easy enough at that time for her to handle her cell phone. She'd put it on speaker in the doctor's office, and I'd take notes. Um, and she was willing to do that. That was something that was very easy for her uh, to share. My dad was more hesitant because he was more private about everything. And I was like, well, dad, you know, but the, still there's family history and I'm, I'm dealing maybe with some of the things you have been. And so it would be helpful to me and my kids if we knew more about what was going on with your health. And he was receptive to that, um, you know, conversation. Once I said where, where it could help, uh, me and my kids. And, uh, then he allowed the same thing. And so I was taking notes for them for at, at least 18 months, if not two years during their doctor's appointments and then sharing it with my siblings. And so we all knew what was going on, how it might impact us. And I think it had, um, a lot to do with the ability then to reach out to a doctor and say, Hey, I've got a concern and you know, to save on my parents' dignity, I would just say, would you mind contacting them? And so they'd have a nurse call and say, you know, could you come in? And, uh, you know, that, that worked really well. I imagine though in the, you know, years prior to that, I knew nothing, you know, if, if my dad went in for an outpatient, you know, procedure related to, you know, his skin cancer issues or lymphoma or any of the number of things that he was dealing with. Um, it was, I didn't hear about it unless there was something problematic that came out of it. You know, he's going to be hospitalized for a couple of days or something. You right, know? Right. That was, that was the only thing I knew. I think that, um, so what you just recounted about doing for your parents, I did for my mom. My mom okay. is a cancer survivor and I went to all the appointments with her and took notes. I still have the transcribed notes saved okay. in my computer that I sent to her because, you know, in addition to the benefit that you received, I think, from getting to know the doctors and having that contact, some of that can be really overwhelming for the person going right. through it. And so my, I don't think my mom, especially at first, was hearing everything. You know, right. she just, it was so overwhelming for her, understandably. Mm -hmm. um, so it really helped her to have kind of that written digest of what happened at what appointment. So I think that's, I, I found that valuable. And it's interesting to me to hear that you found it so valuable too. And, and we just sort of fell into it, but now I would recommend it to everyone. Yes, yes, is, for sure. You know, dealing with parents who are hitting that age in their 70s plus, um, you know, just see if they'll let you be involved um, so that you can help them along in that journey. And also so that you can gauge some of what changes are happening. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, I don't think otherwise I, I, I would have been concerned about things, but I wouldn't have understood how much things had changed. Um, you know, and honestly, when I walked in the door and I realized that there was a, a disarray that there had never been before, it was pretty clear. Um, but also because I had established a relationship with the doctors, I was able to reach out and they were responsive, you know, because they knew me too, you know? Right. Right. And one of the things that, you know, that, like you said, as far as the disarray, 
um, that is another one of those signs, a, a change in mood or a change in personality and how they act, but, you know, perhaps misplacing things or losing the ability to replace, you know, retrace their steps, um, just some of those or difficulty with familiar tasks that they're doing. Some of those right. things that you're talking about are some telltale signs. You know, the other thing, I haven't talked about this before, and I don't know if it necessarily fits into our conversation, but, um, because my dad was having a number of health issues, my mom often got thrown into the uh, amateur nursing mm -hmm. scenario where, you know, he would have to have, uh, you know, a shot, uh, you know, once a day uh, because of a blood thinner uh, issue that he had there. And uh, he would have to have his blood sugar monitored and, you know, those kinds of things. And maybe after having some skin cancer ish uh addressed she'd have to do some wound care for the few weeks after and and she always felt stressed by that role it wasn't mm -hmm. something she wanted to do um because i think she always felt like she might mess it up um you know or make him less comfortable not more comfortable and you know those kinds of things and and uh now that I have seen the dynamics of dementia, stress really advances the confusion for her. You know, okay. when, she, when she's feeling stress, she's her cognitive abilities decline. Okay. And and I I wonder how much of that uh, nursing role that had been mm -hmm. you know kind of expected of her. Uh, you know, had to do with the advancement of the disease for herself. Mm -hmm. And as a family, we weren't stepping in to say, hey, mom, how can we help so that you don't have to have this burden on your own? Because we were thinking she's fully capable. This woman is, you know, she's amazing. She does all this stuff for all these people. She can handle that. Uh, I know she doesn't like it, but she can do it. Uh, I never considered that it might be impacting her long-term cognitive health uh and so that that's something now that i reflect back on and go huh we might have been able to you know have a few more years with her uh you know without the dementia had had we gotten help involved you know just more home health it didn't even necessarily have to be us we just needed to do some more uh, you know resource finding uh, so anyway and Random you sharing thought. that, well, you sharing that now too, um, just calls to mind or, or brings to light, I guess I should say, the stress of caregiving. And so, right. you, know, you know that now, but that's one of the things that, you know, we know it's hard, but, you know, we encourage caregivers to use respite care or to bring others in or just to really try to protect themselves against mm -hmm. the, the, the extreme stress of caregiving. Right. Yeah. And I know when I'm getting stressed because I get irritable. Mm -hmm. And that's when I, and thankfully my partner will point that out sometimes. Like, maybe you need a break. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Maybe I do. <laughs> so um, I'm going to go to the uh, 800 numbers. So if people are concerned uh, and or have questions, uh, about what stuff that they saw over the holidays or whenever mm -hmm. it was, 
I know that they can call the 800 number, so 800-272-3900, and that that's 24-7 availability that you can talk with somebody. And I see on the website uh, under the helpline that there's also a live chat available, and there's also just a like a contact form where you can fill in some detail and, you know, get a response. So what, what are you telling people with your communications to, to do in, in order to you start utilizing the resource of Alzheimer's association? So one thing that we really do is try to bring to light different aspects of, um, of Alzheimer's and put it out there so that people hear about it. Um, whether, like I said, through different channels, um, just to start to um, make sure they understand that we are here. So whether it's topics like we're talking about today, you were home at the holidays and realized that your loved one perhaps has declined more or, um, you know, understanding different signs in those you love and the stress of caregivers and statistics about it. We're really just trying to put so much information out there, but that 24 seven helpline, um, it really is a, a great go-to as the first step. But you also mentioned uh, our website and uh, I really um, encourage people to go there too. It is so full of information. Um, ALZ.org is the main website. Um, for any listeners, I'm from the Michigan chapter. So for any listeners who are in Michigan, you can also go to alz.org forward slash GMC. Uh, and if you go there, you'll find so much information on um, the disease itself, um, different um, stages. How is it diagnosed? Are there treatments? What are facts about it? What kind of progress is being made? What kind of research is being done? All of that is available there too. So, you know, if you're if you're calling the helpline, that's great. I think that's, like I said, a great first step. But if you want to kind of um, start to learn and understand more, there's so much information at alz.org. Yep. yep. So alz.org and uh, there's a search feature as any good website should have. So you can find those articles. Uh, Indeed. Yeah. yeah. And um, the other thing is that I would like to um, just briefly mention are some of the things that we have. So um, let's say, you know, you suspect that a loved one has Alzheimer's and dementia is ending up diagnosed with Alzheimer's and dementia. There's so much that we offer Um, that can really help a person through that time in their life and as they prepare for the future. Mm. Um, So if I might, I could talk a little bit about things that we have. Um, So for um, those in the early stages of the disease, we have educational programs. We have educational programs for caregivers as well. Mm -hmm. Um, These uh, are a lot of different topics that are so helpful for people Um, One thing I would like to highlight is that January is Financial Wellness Month, and so we do have one specifically about managing money. Um, You mentioned the bills that you were seeing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, your mom had out. And so that really goes into how to plan, how to help that person um, manage their money and still retain dignity and autonomy, um, but with putting safeguards in place. Um, Mm -hmm. So 
we're really focusing on finances and we have a lot of those programs coming up this month. Um, we're doing videos on social media and you'll find a lot of information about that on the website because finances are a huge thing. So that right. is one of our education programs. Um, we do for those in the early stages, social engagement programs, which mm -hmm. allow people to feel, I, I think it's such a, this one to me feels special because you know, for someone who's dealing with that diagnosis, they may feel like they don't know where to go from there. But I think it offers these social engagement programs. Um, they're for people in the early stages of Alzheimer's with their caregivers. And I think offers them a little bit of, I don't know, quote unquote, normalcy. Their right. concerts or museum visits or things that they can do where um, they're with people who understand that they may be having some cognitive issues, but they're welcome and they um, can still do some of the things um, out and about that really help engage the brain. Um, and then um, as far as um, another great thing that I think that families and caregivers should know too, um, is that we offer care consultation um, programs, which would mean that um, one of our social workers could work and help set up a plan. It's kind of a short-term program where yep. they work with the family. So if there are concerns in the home about caregiver stress, safety, like you mentioned with the keys, a plan right. for driving concerns, yep. um, wandering, you know, preventing wandering and what to do if that's a challenging dementia behavior for an individual, um, and, and also feelings of, of grief and loss, any of those common concerns, they can work with the family um, and even uh, set up a care plan. Um, we also talked about caregivers and the stress on them, and that's a wonderful thing to kind of set up a plan for in the household. But one thing that we also offer is um, respite care, financial assistance, so um, kind of scholarships to help um, at, at least alleviate some of the cost. Right. of um, an adult day program or in-home care or overnight care to allow the caregiver to have a moment, you know, when they're getting irritable, like right. you said, right. take a moment away and, and de-stress a little bit. And then yeah. finally, um, support groups too. I just would want to mention those right. for all sorts of, so it could be those in the early stages um, it could be um, younger onset caregivers, family caregivers. We have them in other languages for people who need assistance. Um, those experiencing grief after loss, men's only groups. We have a lot of different support groups to really help caregivers um, on the whole come together and kind of vent and realize they're not alone in, in the journey that they're on. Right. So my uh, neighbor when I was in Kansas City, uh, also a, a former librarian like my mom, um, she uh, had dementia a after I'd lived, you know, I'd been her neighbor for a few years and then she had dementia and her granddaughter came in to take care of her. I knew nothing about the disease. I wasn't, I wasn't a very good neighbor actually uh, in this regard. And and uh, she was there, I realize now, she was there by herself all the time, the granddaughter, without any breaks. Uh, you know, she didn't have a day off. Uh, nobody else came in, you know, to give her a couple hours. You know, uh, all those kinds of things. So I think even, you know, 
the how do I get some time for myself as a caregiver so I can continue being an individual who's healthy and balanced and, you know, has, uh, you know, a good outlook on where I'm going in my life. You know, that those kinds of things, that's, that's really difficult when you're saturated 100% of the time with caregiving. And, uh, you know, so this is why I have much more compassion now for caregivers than I used to because now that I'm in the role, I really understand the pitfalls uh, that are there. And and thankfully, my mom is what her neurologist calls vanilla. She's sweet. Uh, and, you know, so my role typically is pretty easy from, you know, a pushback standpoint. I get pushback on drinking water. You know, this is my mom's biggest issue is the not drinking enough water and then getting a urinary tract infection and that kind of thing. And so we battle around water. Mom, she's still only on your first glass today. Please drink some water, you know. Um, oh, I keep hearing that. She'll say, people keep telling me that. Yeah, that'd be me. <laughs> people, it's me five times a day saying, drink your water. You know, and simple things like that. Um, you know, can just become really stressful. And if you don't have some outlets, you know, for your own personal, you know, well-being, it would be overwhelming. And so I really appreciate that those support groups are available for caregivers, you know, and, and other family members. But the list of things on the website under the helpline help uh, is really quite long in what is being offered and you've gone through so many of them and we've taken advantage of some like the social activation um you know that that that's been fun going to the museum even virtually yeah. you know because some of those programs have turned to virtual and uh, i was surprised by the fact that over 200 languages are supported you know the bilingual staff mm -hmm. um you know i would have thought spanish might be in there but 200 languages that's amazing. So um, I assume on your first dial, you may not get the person who speaks Portuguese, but right, right. <laughs> they're there, right? But they can help you. Right, yeah. exactly. So is there anything else that you would like for people to know, Catherine? Um, so, you know, here we are. We're, you know, around the holidays. People have seen things they're concerned about. They now, if they're listening or someone who's listening is sending this to them, they can call uh, or go to the website alz.org to find information. What else? Honestly, those are um, those are from my perspective. Um, those those are great first steps. The eight hundred two seven two thirty nine hundred or alz.org. Um, obviously. Um, if an individual feels that they need um, to go see their PCP or their neurologist, um, right. you know, that's obviously a next step too. But from our perspective, um, in the way that we can help, um, those are the best first ways to reach out to us and to get more information, um, you know, including signs of dementia. Uh, you know, by looking at certain things on our website, you can decipher, is this perhaps normal, you know, normal aging or is this something more serious? Um, and I've, it's something that I've shared with friends and loved ones in my life already, just trying to help them as they, you know, 
encounter loved ones at the holiday or if they um, are questioning things about their parents. Um, And so it's a really great resource. And the feedback I've gotten on that is that indeed they do find it helpful when I refer them there. Right. Well, thank you, Catherine. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge and uh, again so we can talk about the resources that are available to people thank you so much for having me it's been it's been great to talk with you great thank you thank you for listening to this episode of living with alzheimer's please visit the living with alzheimer's website at lwalz.com where you can subscribe to the show and find all the resources we discuss in podcast episodes. We'll see you next time on the Living with Alzheimer's podcast.